is a sweep still on the table or is that off the table now? So I feel like Adam would have happened that morning with somebody that came through and poured a little Kahlua, you know, uh, that I wasn't paying attention to in my coffee. Had me a little sideways. Um, I, 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 so not on the table, nor is a gentleman's sweep. I just feel like we're in for a series. I thought Denver, which was shocking and alarming to me, frankly, I, I thought this team was matured enough to be bought in to match the energy mm-hmm. there of the Miami Heat. And the lack of defensive discipline was, like, alarming to me. It was concerning. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, I know this is something that Michael Malone has been talking about for the whole year, especially the second half of the season. And I wonder if that's a switch that you can just turn on and off. But I watch certain guys who aren't getting their touches offensively, and I'm questioning their commitment to the defensive end. And that starts with Michael Porter Jr., you know, yeah. the third max player on this team who, frankly – uh, watching Jokic and watching Jamal Murray, re-watching the tape, I was disgusted with the lack of sense of urgency that I saw exhibited on the court. Multiple possessions. Mm-hmm. It's like, are we in the NBA Finals? Are we we are, are we playing in some kind of off-season tournament? Because it, it felt like the off-season tournament to me. It, like the uh, the basketball tournament, it, we we needed an Elam ending. Uh, Jay Jay Will is joining us. Jay Will, Keyshawn, and Max. Here's the thing, you know, the interview that Michael Malone did at the end of the third quarter. He said, "Now we need our best defensive quarter of exactly. the of the game," and they got the opposite. Duncan Robinson, then Gabe Vincent, then Bam Adebayo. They came back with Jimmy Butler still sitting on the bench. And then Butler, I almost forgot, like, oh, that's right, they have Jimmy Butler. And then Butler came in and basically closed the deal. There were some hairy moments late. Miami had some bad possessions offensively that kind of led to some stuff. But um, I think this Miami team, they're an example for everybody, aren't they? I mean, wait, just let me go back to your point. Luigi, so much in the game, too. And you're talking about the beginning of the fourth quarter, and I always love when coaches are forced like to do these interviews because you know they hate it. No, of course you know, they, they do. They despise it, right? And as he's talking about, yeah, we need to give a great defensive effort. You see Duncan Robinson give Jamal Murray a head fake, and he flies by him, <laughs> and then he makes a three. And then literally the next possession, it's a, a, a blow by move on the baseline against Jamal Murray by Duncan Robinson. Yeah. Then you got you know Jeff Van Gundy who's like, I'm really shocked that Duncan Robinson they would have put the ball on the ground. And then the next possession, he makes a dagger of a three, and it goes on an 8-0 run. You're just like, oh, my goodness, (laughs) this is exactly. So, yeah, I I, I do think Miami is a spitting example. I just made that up. I don't know. It's fine. I like it. I like it. Can you spit and be an example? Yeah, you can. Well, spitting image Um, is a word. Spitting image. That's what I was searching for. See, you're a true teammate. There you go. (laughs) I I feel like those are – you need – you need to have your two best players. Think about this, and nobody's talked about this yet, A.G. Their two best players for Miami are guys who are willing to do all the dirty work for them on the defensive end. Mm-hmm. You tell me another team in the NBA, maybe with the exception of the Clippers, where that's the case. That's true. And they can't stay healthy, right? Yeah, I don't think there is one. So, I mean, it sets the tone for... And people say, well, you know, they never go away. I'm like, no, it's not about going away. They're always in the game mentally. And you can't, being mentally tough is not an attribute that we associate next to the greatest players in the game of basketball that much anymore, 
right? Like, mm-hmm. especially in this star-driven society we live in, it's being mentally tough and staying in the game, and that's what Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo always do. Yeah, no, it's, I think there is another team that when the Lakers were at their best, it was when LeBron and Anthony Davis didn't have to be offensive catalysts where they could concentrate more of their energies on the defensive end and let the Reeves and the D'Angelo Russells, to an extent, uh, Rui Hachimura and others, uh, especially when Lonnie Walker was playing well offensively, when they can let those guys be really good offensive players and all they had to do was get contributions from LeBron. They're going to get their numbers because they have the ball, but they didn't have to dominate at that end of the floor. They could really focus their energies on defense. And when that went away, the Lakers went away too. It's also possible that Denver might have left a lot of that energy in the conference finals. Really? That's what we're gonna do. No, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not saying that's an excuse. I'm just saying it's. You know, they they haven't played well defensively. But I think both teams were poor in game one. Uh, on both ends of the floor, they shot poorly. I didn't think the defense was amazing. Uh, I just thought it was it was game one, and maybe both teams were off for. Actually, Miami wasn't off for that long, but um, I guess there was. So a, let me give you. Go ahead. Let me give you a couple of possessions where I I, I just. It's about readiness, right? And it's actually a very undervalued word for young people today. Always staying ready. So Max Struess' first three, literally, it's under the basket inbounds play Mm -hmm. where the whole right side of the floor where he's inbounding the ball at him is set up where Kevin Love is outside the three-point line. What do you think is about to happen? Here comes a, a pass over the top, a down screen. It's so obvious, right? So when the pass goes over to the top to Jimmy Butler, KCP is standing up. He's not ready. Right. Max Struess is lower to the ground, about to go into a sprint. By the time KCP reacts, the play is already done. Max Struess, three. I'll give you the next possession where Max Struess is able to hit another three. Literally, they're trapping. It's a guard-on-guard screen with Gabe Vincent and Max Struess. Why are they double-teaming the screen? It's an easy switch. Lack of readiness and communication. I'll give you the next Max Struess, three. Literally, um, Jimmy Butler is being guarded by Aaron Gordon. Jamal Murray is guarding Max Struess. Max Struess is coming over to set a screen. Actually doesn't even set the screen. Sets a phantom screen. Flares fade to the corner. Jamal Murray, who's just lazy in that moment when there's not a screen, literally just points. Doesn't even communicate to Aaron Gordon as a switch. It's those lack of readiness moments mm-hmm. where you're looking at the team and you're saying they're still immature. They're not seasoned enough because these are – and that doesn't mean they can't win, but it's those miscues that you're looking at a team that's still trying to find out who they are in the NBA Finals. You have a Miami Heat team who knows exactly who they are, and that's a major difference in this series. Jay Williams, Jay Will, Keyshawn, Max, ESPN Radio every morning here, uh, especially if you're listening on the fan in Raleigh. So here's the um, – not to go back to Boston from the previous series for Miami, but I I did a, I don't know, a half hour on why I just didn't think the Celtics were mentally tough enough to win a win a championship. They had it. They could have won it last year. And granted, the Warriors are a legendary team, but the Celtics had game four and game six on their own court and lost them. Um, and they lost that series in six. And they had Game 7. I know they spent a lot of energy to get back, but Game 7, you shouldn't have to have a lot of energy uh, in, the, in the tank in Game 7. 
it's it's all you know, all the adrenaline should carry you through. And Boston just kind of went away. Miami has mental toughness. And I'm like, is that something that maybe Denver lacks? I think Miami has players collectively that have won championships. And that experience comes out in moments of desperation and moments of being uncomfortable. Kyle Lowry has been through the gauntlet, won a championship in 2019. Mm -hmm. KCP has, you know, I'm sorry, uh, you you know, Jimmy has gotten very, very close. Like Kevin Love has won a championship with the Cleveland Cavs, right? So I, I, I think there is a sense of when moments become unsure for a lot of people, you start seeing people falter or people becoming uncomfortable. And I think when moments become uncomfortable for the Miami Heat, that's when they're at their best. That's when there's a sense of easiness uh, because everybody knows what to expect from one another because there's experience in the trenches. And I think that lack of experience comes out when times get the most difficult. <laughs> Jay Wilkie, Sean, and Max. So do you give the advantage to Miami going back home? I said from the beginning, remember last week, I said I liked Miami in seven, and Miami was a was a pretty big number if you were if people were talking about the betting market, a pretty big number as an underdog. But Miami in seven, which is how I think they would win this, it was like plus 1,200, which was just too good to pass up. Uh, of course, hmm. no real money changes hands uh, because there's nothing worse in this world for me than losing money because um, that's what would happen if I actually put money on it. Uh, but do you give Miami a slight advantage now the rest yeah. of the way? I do. I do because I think style of play matters. I, um, I, 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 It is, even though Denver has home court advantage, the style of play and energy that Denver needs to exert they're going to have to earn every ounce of, you know, if you're pulling a rope to get, you know, the rope over to your side here in that tug of war scenario. Uh, I know what Denver is capable of offensively. I just wonder what Denver is capable of defensively. And I know what the ceiling is for Miami. I've seen it on both ends of the floor. And I think right now in real time, a lot of people are questioning the ceiling and the floor for the Denver Nuggets defensively. And that's a true testament of a champion. All right, let me ask you a couple of quick questions outside of this series before uh, before I let you go. Um, is Frank Vogel the answer in Denver, or are their problems still pretty structural in terms of it's just a two-man team right now because their depth is gone? I think he's part of the solution. I think that's a team that you know needs to really buy into a defensive mentality. Obviously, Monty Williams' voice um, was sincerely resonating amongst the ears of Aiton. I think there were some chemistry personnel issues uh, that they had on that team. I'm not saying that Frank Vogel can cure that, but I, I think Matt Ashibia and James Jones have some work to do around. It relates to like what are the right cast of individuals to be centered around Kevin Durant and Devin Booker to play a faster style of pace of basketball. I know one thing for sure, um, there's room for improvement defensively, and also the pace of basketball is going to be faster because I want the ball in the hands of Devin Booker. I've seen what that looks like now, and I like that moving forward. So at this stage of his career for CP3, can you get some pivotal pieces, um, you know, 
guys that can play certain roles around KD for the likes of CP3 and also what is that trademark for DeAndre? But I think Frank Vogel is a step in the right direction. They certainly won a title with the Los Angeles Lakers. Now, finally, is the Warriors run, and I mean, they might not win another championship, but maybe they can be a factor, but is their run over in terms of being a legit contender in the West? Draymond's got one more year left in his deal, but he's looking for uh, a bigger deal, or do they basically have to kind of blow it up Leave Steph where he is, who's also in his mid thirties by now, but still great. Are they dumb? I, well, I think considering that Clay has one more year left in the deal, and Dre can for twenty seven million, I do not believe that Dre will make more than that on open market. I'm hearing that his numbers in the you know the the mid threes. I don't see anybody paying him you know that number right. uh, per year annually. So I, I think you'll see him opt in. And I think this will be the last hurrah, frankly, for this team. And I think even if Clay plays well they're going to try to get him for a discount but i still believe that that dynasty has a chance to continue as long as you have steve kerr and steph curry playing i mean it it, it may be done as relates to seeing draymond green there and what that looks like but steph curry is the dynasty guy <laughs> he is and, and 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 to me as long as you have that as a centerpiece to build around i'm okay with golden state being where they're going to be he's amazing curry we talked about it uh, a couple of weeks ago i mean for the people who are still reluctant to put him in the top 10 all time. He's changed the game, completely changed the game. All right, my friend, I will talk to you very soon. Best to you and yours. And uh, I know when you get to town, uh, I don't know, maybe, maybe we'll play golf. Oh, I would like that. Maybe we'll we'll do a show together and then we'll play golf. Uh, That's, that sounds even better. All right, my friend, I'll talk to you later. Peace. All right. Bye.